You're listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. So God has been speaking to us. And if you're, uh, if you're a note taker right there on the very first page, I want you to write this word unshaken on the big, big and bold on the top, unshaken. And let me tell you what this is about. I'm going to tell you what this is about in just a minute. God has been speaking to us as a congregation since the beginning of the year, since January 1st, about how each of us are to be like a tree. And most of you remember this. If you've been with us since January, you know we've been talking about this tree metaphor that God uses in the Bible over and over. Trees are important to God. Matter of fact, they're so important to God that he put the tree of life right smack dab in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And then it says in the book of Revelation, at the, so at the very beginning, a tree is the center of the garden. At the very end of time, we hear in Revelation that the tree of life will be there again. Trees are very important. And God talks about how we are to be like trees. And that's what we read over and over and over again. Trees that are rooted, right, with good roots in healthy soil. Remember we talked about that? Trees that are bearing healthy fruit, like a healthy fruit tree. And this has been the scripture that's kind of been an overarching theme for our congregation since the beginning of the year. And I'd like all of us to read it together. This is the person who trusts God and lives, lives by God's word. Here's what the Bible says. Let's all read it together. Ready, begin. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not, shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And you ladies know when they use the word he in this, it's the generic term for he. It's supposed to represent all of us, he or she. The person that trusts God, that lives by God's word, will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water bringing forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he or she does shall prosper. This is God's desire for you, to see you live this way. And the, the picture that we got was this uh, avocado tree, uh, not these trees yet, we'll, we'll get to those trees in a minute, um, was, but you saw we had an avocado tree in here. Wave at me if you remember we had the avocado tree over here, right? Remember that? We talked about the avocado tree and, and we got into this avocado tree. By the way, our avocado tree is doing really, really good. We put it right outside our offices, so when you walk around the building over here, you'll see it next to the offices. It is thriving. Matter of fact, Pastor Alvaro noticed today, he said, hey, Kelly, you notice there are new leaves growing on there and the old leaves are starting to fall away. There's all this new growth that's happening. And I thought, oh, that's prophetic right there. There's all this new growth that's happening and it's thriving and it's growing. And we're gonna continue to believe that that tree kind of represents us. Now, if somebody comes and kills my tree, I'm gonna be mad at you because <laughs> I believe very strongly that that tree represents who we are. As we were wrapping up our last series on that was called Juicy Fruit, I was seeking the Lord's direction. Lord, what's the next word that, you're, that you want to take? I don't feel like we're done on this tree thing. I don't feel we're done. And the Lord said, we're not done. And I was literally walking around and praying in this auditorium. I weekly come in here and pray up and down the seats. And I try to remember where you're sitting and where, where, who's sitting where. And I pray for you. And as, as I was praying, this picture, this image came to my mind. Another image of trees. Y'all recognize those trees? What trees are those? Do you know? 
Yeah, those are those giant redwoods up in Northern California. Anybody been there? Wave, wave your hand at me. Oh, yeah. Incredible, aren't they? They're absolutely incredible. You know, in Northern California, these giant redwoods, they are the oldest and tallest, it's the oldest and tallest forest in the world. I mean, right here in California, we have the oldest and tallest forest. Some of the trees are 30 stories tall, and others are over 2,000 years old. I mean, 2,000, imagine a tree. I went up to, to Northern California, took my family up there, and we, we got to explore the, the giant redwoods. And I can remember, I put my arms around this one tree that they said is a little over 2,000 years old, and I hugged it. I'm thinking, man, this thing's been around since Jesus' time. This thing is ancient, and it's still alive. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. The word the Lord gave me when I was imagining these trees was that word, unshaken. Unshaken, because there's something absolutely fascinating about these redwood trees. They've been around for thousands of years, through floods and fires, through climate, extreme climates, and every season, the Pacific Ocean shoots in these massive storms and this wall of trees, 30 stories tall, it begins to brace itself and these storms hit these forests. And somehow, some way, these trees not only survive, but they thrive. They're unmoved. They're unshaken. When I think about these trees, they inspire me, not just because of their size or their age, but because of their resilience, their strength, their determination to be unshaken by the changes and the challenges that are thrown at them every single year. So much so that they're able to thrive and grow in a community of other redwood trees. You see, the next part of the word that the Lord has given us as a congregation is not only to be rooted, not only to be in that good soil, and not only to be fruitful, but to be unshaken. Unshaken is our series that we're moving into next. Go ahead, Kelby. Unshaken. Do we have, there it is. Thank you. Unshaken. Living a life above the chaos. Who would agree with me that life can be a little chaotic? Raise your hand if you, you, yeah, it can be, right? I mean, I just was talking, who was I talking to? They drove in from LA. Where, where are you? There you are, drove in from LA. And she's like, oh my gosh, the freeways. I live 20, 20 something miles away and it takes hours sometimes. We live in a chaotic place, don't we? God wants us to be unshaken and learn how to live our lives above the chaos, like those giant redwood trees living a life above the chaos, and not just survive, but actually thrive. I'm super excited about this series, you guys, because I believe God wants to give you tools to help you thrive, to help you thrive, and to help you live a life that's unshaken. When all these things come at you, you will be unshaken, undaunted, unmoved. Every day you face storms and challenges, don't you? I know I do. We all face challenges and storms in our lives, personally, relationally, with our careers, decisions that we need to make, and culturally, we are facing storms like never before in modern, the modern age. It seems that the values that help to create 
a healthy society have been turned upside down and inside out. Just turn on the news and you might start shaking. You've been around for a few years. You might start shaking your head going, what? That don't seem right. That used to be wrong and now it's being called right. And what used to be right is now being called wrong. Things are topsy-turvy and upside down. Do you know the prophet Isaiah, who lived thousands of years ago, said these words, and he said that any people or culture that abandons God's ways and reverses the values that create a healthy society are headed for collapse. Any people or culture that abandons God's ways and begins to twist those values and turn them toward their own desired outcome, that society is headed for a collapse. These are the exact words that the prophet Isaiah said. Take a look in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Let me show you. He says this. He says, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow awaits the people or the person that says that. There's the amplified version of this. The amplified Bible takes the translation and, and, and adds it, it, it takes it and breaks down the words so that it's a little more understandable, a little more digestible. Here's what the Amplified says. Take a look. It says this. It says, judgment is coming to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So this is what the prophet Isaiah said. And then 2,600 years ago, this happened, and this prophecy was fulfilled with the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel had been warned. These prophecies had come, and the nation had fallen into immorality, injustice, and idolatry. Immorality, injustice, and idolatry. That's what the nation had fallen into. Any of that sound familiar? sound a little too close to home these days? Idolizing things and people that, isn't, that aren't God? I'm not here to judge television shows, but I find it so interesting that we celebrate a show called American Idol. Idol. We don't even think about that. What is an idol? An idol is a thing, a person, or even a place of worship. Interesting, huh? People being treated unfairly, unjustly, and the celebration of immorality. Sounds a little too close to home, doesn't it? There were a bunch of guys back in this time when Israel fell. These guys were prophets. They were called Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Zephaniah. And these guys were constantly warning and predicting. They were saying, if we don't get our act together, if we don't straighten out, if we don't begin to get in alignment with God, <coughs> we're going to lose our freedom. God will not put up with idolatry. It was one of his first commandments, not to worship anything besides me. God won't put up with it. 
Any immorality and injustice in a society, God removes his hand of blessing from that society. It's what Isaiah said. It's what these prophets say. And sure enough, 600 BC, if we can learn from history, we should look back and learn. Around 600 BC, Israel is invaded by Babylon. Empire, Babylon, and Emperor Nebuchadnezzar invaded Israel and God allowed it to happen because God had warned them. The emperor's name was Nebuchadnezzar and he came in like a storm, fast and hard. And he occupied the entire nation of Israel. He destroyed the capital of Jerusalem and the temple that Israel was so proud of, built by Solomon, was ravaged and then destroyed which was a tactic of any invading empire. You destroy the high places of worship and now the people no longer have a culture. Nebuchadnezzar even took the sacred items from the temple, brought them back and put them into his own temple and began to repurpose them and call them his items of worship. Took what were dedicated to God and dedicated them to himself. This is what was going on. Not only did he take the items, but then he took 25% of the population, which is also a tactic of an invading empire. Begin to separate the people and break them apart so that they no longer gather together. Why do we gather together on Saturday nights? Yes, to worship, to encourage each other, but it's to gather together and to, in unity, be able to do things that only can happen when we're together to make an impact in this society, to demonstrate the love and care of God to a community by being together. We gather together on purpose. But see, an invading enemy goes, no, I'm gonna separate. This is how I'm gonna conquer them. Nebuchadnezzar took 25% of the Israelite population and he brought them as prisoners of war. He brought them back to Babylon. Today, we call Babylon, it has a name, the modern name for Babylon. Does anybody know what that is? Iraq. That's right. Iraq is what Babylon was. Iraq is where Babylon was. It was a disaster for the Israelite people. And most would think this is the end. This is the end. They lost their freedom. They were losing their culture. And it appeared they were losing their faith because they weren't paying attention to what God had said. They weren't paying attention to the warnings. And their collapse of their culture shook everybody to their core. Listen, Isaiah's uh, prophecy came to pass. Judgment is coming for those that begin to call good what is bad, to call bad what was good, to embrace darkness and replace it where there was light. Isaiah prophesied this and listen, church. I'm not a doomsayer. I'm not here to preach doom and gloom. That's not my role here. That's not my purpose. But let me tell you, I believe the words of Isaiah need to be heard again today. The prophecy of Isaiah, we need to listen to it. We need to listen hard. Because there's a cultural storm that is shaking us today. Marriages are being shaken. The institution of marriage that God created is being shaken Families are being shaken and torn apart. 
education is being shaken. The foundations of our moral and ethical values as a society are being shaken. Our freedom of speech, a thing that we consider a right by birth, our freedom of speech and freedom of religion are being shaken. Even practically, the foundations of our economy are being shaken. We watch the roller coaster ride of the, the Dow and the, and, 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 and the whole wall, the wall Street is just like crazy. It's being shaken. The way we've done government in the United States and America is being shaken. We all feel it. Personally, we're all affected. And it's like a storm that hits, I know for myself, every single day. But listen, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. Like I say, I'm not here to preach doom and gloom. You want doom and gloom? Go turn on the news. Go flip on whatever station you listen to, Fox News, CNN, whatever you listen to, turn it on, you're going to hear doom and gloom there. Come here, you're going to hear hope. That's what we want. We want the hope that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm here to show you that God has the answer to the storm that you face every day and the storms that our society is facing today. It's found right here in his word, right here. And I know that sounds old, that sounds religious, that may even sound antiquated to you. But the, the proof is God's word is gonna stand the test of time and has stood the test of time and will continue to stand the test of time. We're gonna see over the next few weeks that no matter how bad things get in a rapidly changing world and even in a decaying culture, God says, I want you to thrive. Even if there's chaos all around you, I want you to thrive. I want you to live above the chaos. That's what God wants to show us. That's what we want to see. And that's what we need. Better than a new four, a better 401k or a brand new car or even a new home. And those are all nice things. But you know what? The home eventually is going to fall apart the car is going to break down and your 401k may or may not be there. I know some of you, oh, just got a little shiver when you thought about that, didn't you? God's word, he is faithful and he will see you through that storm. He is the one that you can build your life upon so that it, you are unshaken and unmoved. <clears throat> For the next few weeks, we're going to look at a person who was able to live through the time when Israel was taken. A person who experienced those 70 years of occupation. He, we're going to learn from him how he lived a life of unshakability and how we can live a lot like him and live our lives unshaken. His name, and if you're a note taker, is Daniel. Feel free to write that down, Daniel. Everybody say Daniel. Mm. Daniel is one of my favorite guys. His story is found in the Old Testament. There's a grouping of prophetic books that happen right after you got Psalms, then Proverbs, and then you have some of these prophetic books, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Some of you all know that song too, right? It's, all, it's going in your head right now. 
little kid song that we learn how to remember all those books of the Bible. His, his story is right there. He wrote this. And it covers the 70 years of his life from the time he was 15 to the time he was 85. And we can learn from this 15-year-old and we can learn from this 85-year-old. We have the opportunity to look back on him and see what he lived so that we too can live like that. I love the testimonies of people who've gone through crap. Pardon me, all the little kids out of here. Try not to use four-letter words when there are kids in here. I love hearing testimonies of people who've gone through crap. They've gone through the crap. They've gotten cleaned up. They're doing well. I love that. I celebrate that. But you know, I also like to celebrate the men and the women who, though crap happens, they're able to stand strong and walk through it to with integrity, with character, with faithfulness, with determination, with discipline, are able to walk through it and live through it. My wife and I have been married for 30 years and we're always looking, who are the people who've been married for 40 years and 50 years? I wanna go sit next to them. I wanna say, how'd you do that? How'd you, how'd you make it 40 years? How'd you make it 50 years? I wanna sit next to them at a dinner and I do, I ask them those questions. What's the secret of 40 years? Most husbands say, learn how to say yes, dear. A lot. Learn how to say I'm sorry very quickly. You can learn a lot when you go and sit next to somebody who's walked through all these things. Daniel's one of those guys. He walked through chaos with integrity, with character, with confidence. And we can learn from him and we can live that way. At 15 years old, Daniel watched the destruction of his nation. At 15, imagine a 15-year-old right now. And if the United States was invaded, taken over, and 25% of the population was taken away. Daniel was one of those kids. He was part of the 25% that were taken. He became a prisoner of war. And he would never see his parents again in his entire life. He would never see the rest of his family. He would never go back and see his homeland ever again. He would spend the rest of his life living in a foreign, hostile culture. Yet he thrived and he was unshaken. Like the giant redwood trees of Northern California, he was unshaken and unmoved. That's who we're going to look at over the next few weeks. We're going to explore and dig in. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, mark it, get a bookmark, ear tag it, do whatever. Go to the book of Daniel and begin to read the book of Daniel because every Saturday night, we're going to look at another angle, another facet of Daniel's life so that we can learn from him. Let's start tonight just with the introduction. Let's check out the introduction to Daniel's life. The book of Daniel, chapter one. I'm going to read verses one through three and then jump down to verses six through eight. Take a look. Here's what it says. During the third year of King Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim. That right there, I'm going to put a little pause for just a moment. I remember that used to mess me up as a young man. What? God let that happen? Yes, he did. 
And we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. I love that. God permitted Nebuchadnezzar to take those objects. God allowed it. Nebuchadnezzar might have thought, oh, I took them because I'm stronger than God. The reality is God let him take them. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them into the treasure house of his God. Verse three, then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. All right, so here these are, these prisoners of war. You know what he's gonna do? He's gonna take them in and now he's gonna indoctrinate them and he's gonna change their philosophy, change their religion, change their way of thinking because he knows if he can impress the young men, then those young men will impress their friends and then Nebuchadnezzar will have won and transformed a culture and assimilated them into his culture. And this is how he starts down in verse six. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Pause there before we even get into that. Look what Nebuchadnezzar's doing. I'm going to take your identity. I'm going to take your name. Names were very important back then, way more important than they are now. They had meaning. They were tied to family. They were tied to culture. They were tied to who you were as, as a, like, a, like a career. Nebuchadnezzar's like, I'm changing that. You will no longer be associated with them. And look what he says. It says, Daniel was now called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. And then right away in verse eight, but Daniel, everybody say, but Daniel. Come on, say it with, come on, say, but Daniel. That's gonna be the whole theme that we're gonna see throughout this entire thing. But Daniel, and it's a big but. It's a, no, that's wrong. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. We can see from the very beginning, this young man was not going to allow what popular culture says is okay and normal. He was not going to allow the cultural norms or pressures to compromise his commitment to God and God's commands. You see, the Jewish people had a strict dietary regiment that was established by God. And God established those dietary restrictions so that those people would be sustained through the ages. I'm not gonna get into that right now, but God established certain dietary restrictions so that these people, through the highs and lows of society and of the ages, these people would be sustained. Even the simple things like food, Daniel says, I'm not compromising. I'm not gonna waver even on the simplest things like food. Listen, over the next few weeks, and this is just, tonight's just the introduction. You don't wanna miss the next few weeks, I promise you. The next few weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna respond to some of these questions based on Daniel's lives. What should you do when your life is upended? What should you do when things turn out 
different than what you expected or planned. When your world is shaken up by a sudden death, a divorce, a failure, a bankruptcy, a business failure, a marriage failure, a relationship failure, hundreds of other things that can upend your life. How can you respond? How can you thrive? How can you thrive in a culture that appears to be moving away from biblical values every single day? Every new vote, every new legislation continually pushing away from the values of God? Can you have peace and confidence when you're surrounded by chaos? These questions are going to be answered as we look at the life of Daniel. We can learn from his experience. And wouldn't you agree that learning from somebody else's experience is probably one of the best ways to gain wisdom? See, if I walk this way, (laughs) I actually could talk about my head, but if I walk this way and I hit my face into the wall and I turn and my nose is bloody, are any of you going to walk your face into this wall? Only an idiot would do that. Did that hurt, Pastor Kelly? Let me try it out. That's the definition of an idiot. But a wise person says, okay, that wall looks like it hurt, Pastor Kelly. It made his nose bleed. Wall hurts. Got it. I'll never forget that. See, that's wisdom. We can learn from those past experiences. That's what we're going to do with Daniel. We're going to look at his experiences and we're going to learn from them so that we don't have to hit our faces into the wall over and over and over again. We can learn and we can experience that. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to invite you to even ask questions. Next week, we're going to have a number that you can, on your cell phones, text a question. We want to start, we, I want to make this series an interactive time, all right? So for example, uh, you may be taking some notes in your journal and you go, you know what, I want to I ask this question. And what I want to do is I want to follow up the next week and I want to choose one of those questions and I want to respond to that question. So as you're hearing the teachings go, you might say, how, how would I deal with this kind of situation? Or, or when I'm feeling like this, how can I stand firm? When I'm full of fear and doubt, you might have a question. So we're setting up this week, we're going to set up a, a way that you can literally open up your phone and just text the question. We're going to collect those. And then during the week, I'll choose one of them and say, let's respond to this one. Okay. There are more questions that you may have, and I want to respond to those questions. And we'll, sit, we'll, hit, we'll hit those up next week. Carrie, why don't you jump on the keys, would you, bro? Some of those questions that I already asked you, you may be feeling right now. What should you do when your life is upended? Maybe your life is already starting to feel a little shaky. You're wondering how you can make it through next week next month, emotions, stress, pressure. I've got two college daughters and a working wife who's in a stressful career, and I'm a pastor, and there's no stress in my job. I understand the need to daily come to God 
and cast my burdens on him and say, God, I need you. I need you so desperately today. You may have those questions that I brought up. Let me encourage you, you're in the right place. It's not an accident that you're here on Saturday night. It's so good that you're here to take a Saturday night. You could be doing dozens of other things here in Southern California. But you're choosing to say, I want to come. I want to meet God. I want to do something that is eternal, not just temporary. You're here so God can develop in you an unshakable faith. So when the storms of life come, you can stand like those giant redwoods with confidence say, bring it. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter two, he says that the followers of Jesus Christ are built on a solid foundation and Jesus Christ is that solid foundation. He's the cornerstone. That's what the apostle Paul says in Ephesians two. Let me read to you what Jesus says about being unshaken. Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, verses 24 through 25, Jesus says this, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Jesus Christ, it is unshaken. See, we can do that. Jesus himself declares, you're gonna face storms, but you don't have to be broken. You don't have to be destroyed. The book of Psalm, chapter 55, verse 22, the psalmist says these words. Take a look. It says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. God says he'll make you unshakable. He'll give you a foundation so you can live a life that's unshaken, a life above the chaos. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound good? Would you join me in prayer? Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that teaches us and instructs us in the way we should go. We thank you for your word that has been sustained over the millennia, preserved throughout the centuries. Though wickedness has tried to burn it, ban it, you, O oh Lord God, have kept your word alive so that today we can hear you say, I love you and I want to see you thrive. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around, just for the sake of privacy, just kind of this moment. Maybe your life is feeling a little shaken up and you need to God to stabilize, solidify, and firmly secure you so that you will be unshaken.
right now. Do what the psalmist said. Cast those burdens on him. Say, God in heaven, I have worries and concerns. I need your help. Go ahead, just tell me, I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom, God. Trust me, God loves you. He's not sitting up there going in heaven saying, I'm just gonna hold this back. He says, no, call to me and I will show you great and wondrous things, things that you don't even know, it says in Jeremiah. So God, we cast those cares upon you because you care for us. Jesus says, anyone who comes to me, hears my sayings and does them is like a wise person who builds his house on the rock. It starts with coming to Jesus. And tonight, that journey can begin for you. Tonight is the night you say yes to Jesus so that you can begin to live a life that is rock solid and unshaken. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at We Are Refinery. God bless.